0: Father thank you for today. And Holy Spirit I ask that you would take the words from your book the Bible and the words you've put on my heart to share and you'd take it and make it something that's meaningful and livable and real to each person. God we do this cuz we love you and we want to honor you and bring your kingdom to earth, so more people can come to know you. Amen. Last time we talked um, about Gideon. Life was difficult for Gideon and all Israel. And then An angel appeared to Gideon with a most unexpected declaration. If you turn to Judges chapter 6, we'll go over and review that just a minute before we go on. And as you're turning there, I wonder how many of us have maybe had a similar kind of time. We're just trying to do the stuff. And then God shows up. I think it's so awesome. God would actually choose to show up to be a part of our lives. Judges chapter six, verse 12 says this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But even after receiving that remarkable declaration from God, Gideon continued to struggle with a mindset of small. He was focused on what he didn't have, what he could not do, and had a really low vision for the possibilities of his life. Because Gideon didn't have a personal culture of relationship, encounter, and testimony with God, he struggled to believe what God actually said to him could actually be true. Gideon evaluated his identity based on his own life experience rather than on what God said to him and about him. And then God came crashing into his little small world thinking with a declaration of how he saw Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I think it's possible that today God might be saying that to a few other people. God is with you, mighty warrior. We, like Gideon, get to choose intimacy or formality, provision or survival, confidence or questioning, God's truth or our feelings. God's declaration about us, or what we understand from our perspective. Well, that's a little bit about last week. This week, we're going to look at how God helped Gideon choose to move from an identity of small to an identity of destiny, an identity that matches God's declaration, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. If you don't Get anything else today? Here's kind of what I'd like you to sort of remember and think about. Questions from God help us move from small to kingdom thinking and vision through our relationships, encounters with Him, and testimonies of what He has done. Excuse me. Questions from God help us move from small to kingdom thinking and vision through relationship and encounters with Him. And testimonies of what he has done. If you haven't already turned to Judges chapter six, do that now because we're going to continue through um, this process of God helping Gideon to move from small to relationally stepping into all that God had for him. Verse 13 says this. Pardon me, my Lord. That just cracks me up. Pardon me, God. But then I think about it a little bit, and I've said things similar to that. Anyway, Gideon says, pardon me, Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Look at the phrases Gideon shows in his response to God's identity declaration. Pardon me. If. If the Lord is with us. Where are the wonders? Now the Lord has abandoned us. Some. Or maybe many of us could be saying and thinking similar phrases as it relates to our own life. Maybe not the entire life, but part of it. We're not bad if we do that. We just need more relationship and encounter with God to adjust our perspective. And that's what God gives to Gideon. Verse 14. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? See, God wasn't mad at Gideon in spite of all the questions, in spite of all the doubts. God understands it's difficult to move from a place of doubt into faith. When we've lived and looked at things a certain way for a long time, God understands it takes a while for us to shift. Most people do not move immediately from one place to the other. He just said, go in the strength you have. And again, God may be saying this to somebody today, get started, go in the strength you have, and then watch what God does as we walk with him. There are things that every one of us has been asked to do. Maybe we're still in the listening process. Maybe we're trying to figure out how to get there. He understands we may be stuck. We may have questions. We may lack vision and perspective. But look at the last sentence in verse 14. Am I not sending you? Last week, Hanny had a quiz question that was something like this. And Hanny, I'm sorry if I don't have the words exactly right, but it's kind of like this. Which questions are the most important? Questions from Satan, questions from God, questions from the world system, or questions that we have? Now, when we took the poll, we were pretty evenly split between questions that God has, and questions that we have as being most important. And I think both are good, and both are necessary. E.F. Hutton was a significant stock brokerage house. It was originally founded in 1904. But in 1979, they came out with a series of commercials that were really, really well received. And the line that everybody remembered, I still remember it, but the line that everybody remembered from this was, when E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. It was used often by many other people, late night talk show hosts, people who were commenting on baseball games. It was all over the culture. Well, I think E.F. Hutton had a pretty good line especially if we apply it to God, because I believe when God talks, we should listen. When God asks us a question, it's really important. Why? Because when God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. God knows every possible way we can answer any question. God's not trying to gain more information and understanding about us. God's questions cause us to reconsider or sometimes even challenge what we believe and how we behave. I believe the primary reason God asks us questions is to invite us into a new revelation and understanding about something. He wasn't saying to Gideon, why? Because he didn't know. He wasn't saying to Gideon, am I not sending you? Because he wasn't sure who was sending whom. God was giving through that question an invitation for Gideon to look at something differently. See, God wants to bring a new and greater understanding of who he is and how much he desires for us to know him. You know, he wants to bring more revelation to us. It's just that simple. He wants us to understand him better. We're also limited. Okay, maybe you're not. I'm so limited in how I've seen God throughout my entire life. There's always more God wanted to show me, reveal to me, help me understand about how He loves me, values me, is committed to me, wants good things for me, has a plan for me that's just superlatively above something I could ever imagine or think. God's questions are an invitation for revelation. He wants us to discover more. So he interrupts our flow of thinking and says, what about this? Gideon is going, I don't know about all these things. God says, am I not sending you? he's saying stop and think what's the directive here who's giving it to you who's going with you well gideon being gideon and sounding a lot like me sometimes or more often than i wish in verse uh, verse 15 the end of verse 14 says god says am i not giving you then in judges 6:15 gideon replies I just love Gideon because he sounds like me a lot. I don't exactly wish he would sound like me all the time, but here's his response in verse 15. Pardon me, my Lord, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. He goes, whoa, God, I can't do this. I'm like the lowest of the low. How is this ever going to work? But look what happened. God asked him a question and it worked because Gideon started to analyze, where am I at? Who am I? What do I think? Gideon's interest was engaged by the question God asked him. He still didn't have any idea how he's going to get there, but now he's engaged. Before, it was just, no, it ain't going to happen. He said, how can I save Israel now? Without question, Gideon had never entertained the, or even can probably consider the idea that he would be the one who saved Israel. That just wasn't in his realm of thinking. God comes along and asks him a question, and all of a sudden, he's engaged in the question now. There was a relationship connection Gideon had with God that had not happened previously. And now there was a new possibility for Gideon. But that possibility was only the starting place. There were questions. Maybe you've had that happen a time or two. God suggests something to you and it's like, what? Are you kidding me? How am I going to get there? There's people way more qualified than me. I'm like the least of the least. You do know who you're talking to here, God, right? I just smile because it just, I, I can relate to Gideon. I'm so like that. God says something that's like, who are you talking to? But the question that God asks brings the engagement. not going to go through the rest of this chapter verse by verse because it's long but i encourage you from 16 to 39 of this chapter the interaction of question and responses between god and gideon gideon says how can i save israel god says i will be with you gideon says if i have found favor god says you have my favor i'll wait till you get back and do the thing you need to do gideon says here is my offering. God says, awesome, place it on a rock and I'm going to take your offering and do something with it. Relationship was developing between them. It was now no longer of, wow, God's here. It's like, oh, I'm starting to get to know God. He's actually interacting with me. He's willing to do that. Well, the relationship is developing. The angel touches the offering and fire consumes it. Then the angel disappears. Gideon encountered God, he just had a visitation from an angel, now he had an encounter, and primary for, for us to develop is relationship and encounter, that's the basis we're going to move forward with God, it isn't just some big thing out there, God comes and says something to us, and we encounter him, and it's a platform for us to move forward. So Gideon encounters God. So Gideon says, I've seen an angel. God says, peace, don't be afraid. You will not die. I don't know how many people have seen an angel, but there's a lot of times that it's fairly overwhelming. Whoa, God just showed up. An angel just showed up. I can see him in the room. I'm going to die because I'm not worthy of being in the presence of God's holy angel. And God says, hey, don't worry about it. Have you noticed how often when angels show up, the first thing they say is, peace, don't be afraid? This, because that's usually how we respond when one actually shows up and we see it. Well, Gideon says, I've seen an angel. And God says, peace, don't be afraid. Look, when God shows up for us, with us to communicate with us he wants to share something he's going to tell you don't be afraid you got my peace their relationship was moving to a new level because of the encounter so gideon built an altar and god appeared to gideon again with more direction. The, are you kind of see what's going on here? This is a very relational encounter, and God was moving Gideon from small thinking to kingdom identity and action. Remember where he started out I'm the least of the least. And God kept drawing him in, he gave him more dialogue, he gave him encounters, and Gideon's language even begins to change. Somebody mentioned to me I hadn't told a story in a while, so I'll put one of my Gideon stories in here. One of my Gideon challenges was I was afraid to speak in front of people. I would physically respond negatively to that. I was super afraid. I would do anything to avoid it. If there was an oral report due at school, I got sick that day so bad I couldn't go to school. Eventually, my mom caught on that. That's why I was staying home and I had to go anyway. But I got sick anyway. I tried every which way I could get sick to avoid having to give an oral report in front of the class. I would get asked questions in church and I wouldn't answer them. And when I did speak in front of people, it was not pretty. Okay, it was really bad. I would stumble. I would, you know, trip over my words. I would say shortened answers, anything to get away from the focus. One time I was supposed to be on uh, this little Bible quiz panel at the front of the church where some people who were like studying a a, a chapter were going to be against the elders of the church. Well, the elders didn't do any studying. They probably got called that day. And there were a couple of people that, you know, had really like memorized an entire chapter and all that. And I was selected to be a part of that because it wasn't that big a church. Well, I told them I didn't want to do it. I said I didn't want to be on it, you know, everything I could. And they still said, well, no, you need to go do it. So I went up there and sat. And for 30 minutes in front of everybody, I said nothing. I I knew most of the answers, but I didn't say anything because I was just terrified of speaking in front of people. But you know how churches are sometimes. They go, hey, go do this because it's a good thing. Those of you who hated being in the Christmas play because you didn't want to be a sheep or have a line you had to memorize. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Did I mention that I really didn't like to speak in front of people? Well, my Gideon moment came when after I'd made a commitment to God, I came back to church for a little while and um, there was a, couple of, of of young ladies and their husbands that had made this little musical group and they had traveled earlier before they were married and they'd made a record and so they wanted to start doing it again and and um, so I hung out with them because they were both on the church softball team and you know that's the holy reason why I picked that church to come back to is because they had a really good softball team and I'm a really good softball player but I was hanging out with them and one night they said hey we want to start traveling again. We need a bass player. Rob, could you play bass? Well, I didn't know how to play bass, but their music was really simple. So I said, yeah, I can probably learn how to do that. And I thought we were just going to play at church, and that was fine. Well, one of the young ladies knew some other pastors in the area because she was like the, the, the daughter of some noted um, pastor in that district. So we got invited to go, and do a service at this other church, and I'm okay with that, until we got in the car, and Marla says, okay, we got to decide who's going to talk, and I could feel my stomach just go. (coughs) Thank you. A couple people smiled like somebody else relates to this thing. Well, remember, you know, I'm the guy who wouldn't talk, and I was like in my own church on a a panel and stuff, so I'm, I'm just sitting there waiting, going, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. You know, it's like I was praying in tongues. I was saying it so fast. And so she says, well, I'm going to do the commentary here. And Henry, why don't you do this? And Lori, you do that. And let's see, we're at the end, Rob, why don't you close the service? And I'm going, I, I I don't do that. And she goes, Oh, everybody's got to say something. You got to say something. And I'm sitting here and, and I'm, and I'm like all of a sudden, like just, collapsing inside when we get to this church it's a little church there's maybe like 60 or 70 people there and we kind of got set up and i saw they were going in the right direction i went in the bathroom when i was threw up i was so tense and terrified of this thing and i go god i didn't sign up for this you know i don't do this thing and i was still pretty new at relationship with god and talking with him then and i said god i can't do this and this thought came, oh yeah, you can. And I'll be with you. I didn't know that was a verse then, but he said, I'll be with you. And I go, I can't do that. You know, it's I'm so I'm in the bathroom and I'm arguing with 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 God basically to say I don't want to do this. And 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 God says, okay, you get to pick. And I go, Oh no. If I say no, then I'm like. Arguing with God, and if I say yes, then i got to talk to these people about how to close. Well, I've been in church my whole life. I know how you're supposed to close a service, or at least how they did it, you know, the other people did up front. So I finally dragged myself back out. But just before I did, I said, okay, God, just this one time, I'm going to ask people to come down and pray, and everybody better come down, or I'm never doing this again. Can you believe how stupid and arrogant that was? But that's what I said. I'm never going to do it unless everybody comes to the front to pray. So we get to the end of the service, and you know what's going to happen, right? Because God's just that way. But for me, it was critical. It was a Gideon moment. God said, you're going to do this, and I'll be with you. Well, I'm here talking to you, so you know what happened. The one time in my life, and I've done a lot of services since then, the one time in my life when every single person came down to the front. And, you know, I said, hey, you know, if you want to just connect with God a little bit, come in. I mean, it wasn't like one of those pressure things, like some of us have been just, hey, if you want to connect with God, come down. And they get up and they start coming. And I'm standing there going, oh, no. No. And the last person got up and came down. I go, oh, God, really? I might as well have been Gideon going, I'm the least of these. But God showed up. (sighs) So here I am talking to you, and it's all God's fault from my Gideon moment in that church that, I don't know, 30 years ago or whatever it was. No, it's longer than that now. 40 years ago, because God walked through this process of helping a scared young man who would not talk in front of people, just like He helped a young man hiding, making bread. And God says, Hey, I got a different plan for you. And for every one of you, whatever that is, God is willing to meet you and walk with you from a place of small into a place of destiny. He's just that good. Well, let's see. I have some notes, and I was probably somewhere. You know, God just was just moving me from a place of small, a Gideon starting place, to kingdom in both my identity in the kingdom and the kind of kingdom things I would do. The transformation from Gideon continues. God says, build an altar that other people are going to see. I want you to tear down the pagan altar and use that stuff to build an altar for me. Well, Gideon was afraid of what the people were going to think. Y'all have never been that way, have you? Afraid of what somebody else is going to think because of what you do for God? Okay. Okay. I'm the only one, but that's okay. I can relate to him. It scared him and it scared me. And it probably scared most of us to step beyond what we're comfortable to do. So God said, Build the altar. Gideon was afraid. He built it at night, but he did obey. Do you see the progress again? He's moving towards kingdom identity, he's moving away from. Small. Well, he built the altar. The people didn't like it, but he built the altar according to what God asked for. Then the nations east of Israel crossed the Jordan River and attacked. And then, because of this relationship that developed, the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon and empowered him to do something he would have never considered. He called the nation of Israel. Several of the tribes are specifically listed to come and defend the nation. That is a lot of movement. Just like I had a huge movement from I will not talk in front of people to going, oh my gosh, God could use me to encourage people to come and have relational connection with him. On a much larger scale, God did the same thing with Gideon. He went from I'm the least of the least, to nation of Israel, we're being invaded, come and do this. There was still work to do in Gideon. See, we don't arrive at once. We're not going to overcome all the stuff. We're not going to change all of our thinking. We're not going to get fully adjusted. It's going to take some time, and God knows that. Verses 33 to 40, Gideon basically said to God, okay, we've made it this far, but I need you to help me one more time. If you've been in church for a little while, you've probably heard the story of the fleece that, God, that Gideon asked of God. Hey, God, here's, here's some, some fleece. I'm going to stick it on the ground. You make the fleece wet and the ground dry. That'll really show me you're with me. Wakes up the next morning. God did what it was. He could wring out water out of the fleece. The ground was dry. And I love this about God because I so sound like Gideon. So Gideon goes, okay, okay, just one more time. I know I said one more time, but I want to do one more time. Do it the other way. Make the ground wet and the fleece dry. God says, okay. Gideon goes to bed. He wakes up the next day. The ground is wet and the fleece is dry. Two more times, God enforced with Gideon his relationship. He said, I am with you. Does that sink in? God says to us when he's calling us, he's helping us to change our perspective our value system into king, kingdom thinking, and he says, "Am I not with you? Yes, I am with you." Well, the story continues in Judges chapter seven in verses one through eight. They get the army together, and, and you, we're not. I'm not going to read it right now, but you can go look at it. In verses one through eight, God gets the army together. God says, "Hey, you know, there's like thirty two thousand fighting men here." That's too big. If you win with 32,000 people, Israel's going to think, oh, look what we did. He said, okay, Gideon, here's what I want you to do. And Gideon's ready to obey at this point. I'm fully convinced he, in his mind, was going, this is weird. So he gives him a test, and his army goes from thirty-two thousand down to three hundred. Now, I'm no big military strat- strategist, but I'm pretty confident. I would be saying to God, um, "There's there's three hundred guys left here. Really, God? But because of relationships. Because of the connection that had developed through the encounters that had developed, Gideon's still ready to go. And God understands when we don't really know for sure. We just need a little bit more. In Judges chapter 7, verses 9 to 11, And look at that. We're going to read it. I think it's kind of cool. Been through all this stuff, all these options, all these possibilities. It's the night before the battle. And it says in Judges 7, verse 9, during that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it to your hands. Verse 10, if you're afraid to attack, Go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. God is so funny sometimes. If, if this is a little bit offensive, I don't mean to offend people. It's just how it strikes me. God's kind of funny sometimes. Hey, Gideon, your army's too big. Whoever says to a general, your army is too big. Decrease the size of your army from 32,000 to 300, and only take the ones that drink with their hand and lap like a dog. Is that any way to run an army? Is that any way to do deliverance from people? Hey, Gideon, if you're afraid, go ahead and go down to the camp. Oh, by the way, take your servant with you, because then there'll be two of you. I just think that's funny that God would take these little things and just make it so real and so normal. Rob, if you need somebody with you, go ahead. Take them. God, if this, you know, Rob, if this seems too big, um, it's going to work out okay. Here's my plan. But what is so great about all of these stories to this point is that Gideon actually did what God said. How far did he move in this process from small to walking in kingdom destiny and purpose? He did it through relationship and encounters. And as we pursue God, we pursue relationship with him, we're going to have that kind of stuff happen. Because see, God doesn't want us to stay hidden in a cistern making survival rations. God has a destiny for you, for me, for our church community, to be men and women who change our city. I ask this question on a lot of people, did that get in? Or is that something that just went over, you know, you're getting another cup of coffee or something? Did that go in? God wants to change us individually and corporately from people who are hiding, in a church building or in a cell group to men and women who change our city because we have relationship with a God who gives us encounters and empowers us to impact the people in our city. I want you to notice something about this whole process. God let Gideon work through his issues and his questions. He didn't just say, Gideon, you're on. Good luck. Go get it. Right now, it's got to happen. God worked through his issues. God didn't get upset at Gideon. (laughs) Parents, how many times have you gone around with your kids, and at some point you're going, don't you get it? Come on. Here's Gideon after all the stuff he saw. Hey, Gideon, you want to go down and hear what they're thinking? Ah, take your friend with you. Go down and listen. You're going to hear something you're going to really like. After all of those things, God works with us. He worked with Gideon. He didn't get upset. God never said to Gideon he was lacking in faith. Was he lacking in faith? Oh, yeah, big time. But that's not what God's message to him was. I am with you don't be afraid. I will help you. I will go with you. I will get your army. I will give you the inputs from the dreams of the enemy, even to know. God continued to build Gideon's confidence in what God said to him about who he was and about what he wanted Gideon to do with him to accomplish things for his kingdom. I think if we've been in church for a while, we've heard the general story of Gideon. But I'd like to encourage you this week to go back and read Judges chapter 6 and 7 again. But this time, read it as if you were Gideon. How did Gideon feel through this whole thing? And then I want to encourage you to go back and read it one more time. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. How do you relate to Gideon's journey? When have you had a time when God said something to you? Maybe he's already said something to you. Maybe you haven't even started to dream with God at all. But walk through it again and put yourself in Gideon's place. How do I feel? What do I think? When do I ask God? the questions like Gideon asked. Maybe not exactly, but kind of like it. Read it through again. How do you relate to Gideon's journey? What interests or desire or life vision of yours are hidden under fear or uncertainty? or unbelief. Have you ever desired to step out of where you're at and break free from a limitation or bondage to become something more than what you've done so far with God? Look, God loves when we come to church and sing hymns, but his intention is way greater than just coming to church, doing something for a couple hours, And then the rest of the week is ours. He's got so much more. We were never destined to be like Gideon, making bread in a wine press. He's got people that are waiting liberation from people like you and me to come and share God's heart, his ability, his love with them. What do you think might happen if you set out on a journey like Gideon did? to develop relationship and encounter with God. What might that look like? What do you think you might like to accomplish if you could just see yourself more like God sees you? That your starting place isn't, here's me, I don't have anything, I can't do this, I can't speak, I can't talk, I can't, you fill in the blank. What if you started from God's perspective of you? Mighty warrior. Life just might be a little bit more fun. What could you accomplish if you could see yourself the way God sees you? Read through Gideon's life. Put yourself in those places. Say, God, we got to talk. I want to leave you with two verses today. Judges 6, 14 says, the Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? God just says, hey, every one of you at City River, go in the strength you have. Just get started on the journey. Am I not sending you? Remember the questions? When God asks that, he's helping us to discover something. He already knows what you've got in you. He's asking you, am I not sending you? We can go places when he's sending us. If God asked you the question today, am I not sending you? How would you answer that question? Where is God sending you in this stage, this next stage of your life journey with him? Where would you like to be sent? What do you think you would need from God to start or continue your life journey with him? Talk to God about it. Dream with him a little bit. He can adjust it. He can make it fit. The other verse is Judges six sixteen. The Lord answered, <clears throat> I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving them leaving none alive. I will be with you. Wherever you send out to go, whatever you start moving toward, God says to you, I will be with you. Hey, if God's with us, that's a pretty good place to start. How would life change for you if you could know with certainty that God would be with you? Always. Doesn't matter where you go, God will be with you always. You're not only sent by God, God's going with you. See, He's not the kind of God that says, okay, here's a big journey go out and do all this stuff. No, He goes, I'm going to be with you while we do it. I'm going to continue to walk with you and talk with you and ask you questions and develop more so you can understand who you are and who you are becoming even better. Regardless of the opposition, you're not only sent by God, God will be with you, always. Gideon accomplished things beyond what he ever thought possible when he started the journey. I want to suggest to you that each one of us can accomplish more than we ever thought possible when we first said yes to Jesus and started our walk. And it comes, it doesn't come. It started and initiated and developed when God asks us questions to help us move from small to kingdom thinking and vision through relationship and encounters and testimonies about what he's done. Father God, I want to thank you for your desire to know us. God, that I I can't even work up, we can't even work up the desire the way you've already desired to do with us. Your patience, God, for us is just stunning. Thank you. Your passion for us is something I don't even know how to comprehend. And probably most of the rest of us don't either. Your thoughts and your plans for us are beyond what we could believe. Unless you help us believe. And God, I thank you that you will help us to see us from your perspective, to believe from your perspective. I'm so grateful that you have over and over affirmed your desire And your willingness to help us, to help me to know you more. Excuse me. God, ask more questions. Please, ask us more questions. You know, it's kind of scary to open up that way. But it's so reassuring that you love us so completely that we can, even when we're uncertain, we can know we're safe. Even when we're afraid, we can have that confidence and trust, that assurance that comes through our experience with you. So God, we thank you for meeting us at whatever places we struggle to trust, to be vulnerable, to be honest. God, thank you for not leaving us in fear and and hiding. Thank you for continuing to pursue relationship and encounters with us. Thank you for giving us testimonies. Thank you, God, for sending us. I love you, Papa.